What's up, crew? Welcome to the lounge. It is July 5th of 2021, episode 127. Get those uh, questions, topics locked, loaded, and thrown out there in the chat. If you are in replay, remember, you can always continue the conversation down below. And uh, as far as things going on with the channel, had the... Um, uh, shorts, YouTube shorts drop. It was Friday with the Tars Protector Poly, uh, and then had the little uh, Mossberg International 802 Plinkster. That video dropped yesterday. So if you missed those, go check those out uh, on the channel. Uh, apologies, I just realized a few minutes before we kicked off this live stream for those that may also participate in the audio podcast world, but the Podcast from Thursday night, the nerd chat from Thursday night, uh, did not get that for whatever reason uploaded into the audio realm. So, gonna try to do that when we uh, finish up here before we get uh, the uh, replay uh, of this episode of the lounge done. Uh, also, uh, the last um, I don't know, few days, week or so, been working out a project on. A new channel, a B channel, C channel. I don't know exactly what you would call it, uh, but I'm uh, we'll drop the link uh, in the chat. I'll also probably edit the description below and drop it down there too, because um, that's people don't always see the live chat in replay. So go check that out if it's something that's up your alley. Uh, yeah, hang around over there occasionally. Uh, I'm not going to dedicate just a whole lot of time. Uh, to the content over there, my strategy, uh, because I could do content for that, uh, a bunch of it very quickly. Uh, my strategy is going to be to just get a bunch of stuff recorded in the bank uh, and release it. So I really don't have to spend, but maybe a day or two a week getting that done. But uh, yeah, go check that out. Like I said, if you, if you get a chance and if you like it, stick around over there. Without further ado, <laughs> Gonna bring in uh, my buddy Ghost into the chat. What's happening, bro? Well, it's nice to finally meet you. I've admired your work for a long time from afar, and it's nice to finally be on your podcast. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I will say this. Um, so I, I like the intro, but has anyone told you that the music sounds more Game of Thrones? It sounds like a Game of Thrones kind of type thing, which is not uh, a bad thing. I like Game yeah. of Thrones. I had somebody actually tell me, and I got to work on the intro. I need to shorten the uh, standby part uh, and do do a couple other little tweaks. The problem with the intro, and I'm sure you know this, is when you, you're pulling from StreamYard for the audio podcast world, there's yeah. a delay from the time you start that intro till it actually starts recording, which is right. jacked up. And so if you start out immediately with talking or, you know, something like that, it doesn't pick it up in the replay. Um, when my stream started tonight, there was maybe two seconds of that standby screen. Yeah. Uh, it was crazy. But, yeah, I actually had somebody tell me the music. They were asking what music it was. And I'm like, heck, I don't know, something out of the free YouTube library, right? Yep. And I, I said, it sounds like the music off of one of the Far Cry games. Now. Oh, I don't play. I don't, I don't play Far Cry, so I, I, do, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> and, and it doesn't sound like Game of Thrones, but it sounds something like it would be in Game of Thrones. You know, 
Well, the Star Wars music is sort of that way. Yeah, kind of, um, sort of, yeah. You know, in a way, it's that, uh, you know, a score type. Uh, and, and that's what that was. That was in the cinematic or whatever. The cinematic, s- oh, sure. Section yeah. of, the, of the thing. So uh, you can't use the Star Wars, obviously. So I was looking for something right. that kind of had that same, that same feel. Uh, but it's, like I said, we'll probably end up changing that up. Lucy, uh, got some planning to do out there uh, in the house. There's Ricardo with the $5 super chat. Says, hello, everyone. What's up? Speaking of that, let me give a shout out if you're out there. Um, when I holla, holla back. Uh, Pat's out there. Uh, Buck in the house, 223 Calaveras uh, is with us as well as off the X and Lucy. Uh, Tyler also jumping in, so welcome, welcome, welcome. And I did get the links to not only Ghost Channel, which you already know that by now. You ought to be subscribed and everything else, uh, but also the new channel down in the uh, yeah down in the comments below. Your questions, your topics, throw them out there. Uh, like Lucy with the five dollar super chat, and not putting a question or topic out there, which is fine. But uh, come on, if you're going to drop your hard-earned dollars, at least make us work for it. Dance, monkey, dance. Uh, Southpaw jumping in. R4 Mississippi. So they're starting to come in now. Um, speaking of the new channel, I don't want to get um, I don't want to get too too far off on that. Uh, I've got a couple of topics in mind that are more uh, firearm related, so more suited to the channel. But uh, so far, without giving away the farm, because you have helped out, and I hope you continue to help out on that channel. Uh, but I enjoy it. Yeah. I, I'm just getting your impressions so far, overall feel of the channel, the way that we're doing things there, artwork. What are you, what are you thinking? Yeah. Um, I, I'm digging it. I'm not one, you know, this about me. I don't like, I, I'm not, I say I don't like, I'm not good at overhead cams and tabletop reviews. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, for that kind of channel and, and what you're doing it is necessary. Um, so for me, it's it, it's different because I I don't I don't watch a lot of tabletop stuff. Um, but I, I like what you're doing. Like I said, you know, for for me, I hadn't thought, and I'm not even going to give the farm away, but I hadn't thought about the subject that that channel is about in a long, long time. And it's kind of got me reinvigorated into it and and all of that to where um, I spent most of my childhood enjoying that stuff. So right. yeah, uh, without you, you gotta, you gotta go to the channel out to, to see what we're talking about, but I'm having a blast. <laughs> right. so far, so thanks for inviting me every now and then. Right. Oh no, man. I, and I like your, uh, you know, I like your insight cause you're still involved uh, in it in some way, whereas I'm not. Yeah. Um, and you're still exposed to it where a lot of things I've, I've forgotten over the years. Uh, but that's why, I wanted to bill it because there are other channels that are doing that similar thing. I wanted to bill it as budget and vintage minded, right? Rather than sure. modern yeah. and, and current. Uh, that way it kind of fell into my wheelhouse, not just of what I know a little bit about, but also what I used to enjoy. Like you said, uh, mm-hmm. I used to be, uh, get a lot of enjoyment uh, out of that. No doubt. No doubt about it. You know, it's so funny is because, you know, there there was a, a thing called Beckett back in the day. And I'm sure you know all about Beckett, but oh yeah, Beckett also tough, was tough the, stuff. Remember tough stuff, yeah, tough stuff, tough stuff. But Beckett was my go-to blue book, if you will, if you will. 
Oh, and, yeah. you know, you had to go buy the Beckett about every two or three months to keep up to date on values and all of that. And now it's at, the, at your fingertips. You can go online anytime. But that was part of it is every two or three months you had to go buy the new Beckett. And it was a racket. They knew exactly what they were doing. Right. Uh, but every two or three months they'd release a new Beckett. And I'd, we knew when it was coming out. So we'd go down to the shop and we'd buy the Beckett and, and see what last year's cards are now worth. And, you know, oh, I've got this one. And, and it's worth now. Now let's trade because now this is worth more. And I want that one, you know, or whatever. And, right. That was kind yeah. of the part of growing up is just having fun with it, you know? Yeah. Um, and at one time I had a subscription. Um, you know, it got to the point. And I think back then, and I don't remember, it's been too many moons ago, but I think it was, I think it was bi-monthly anyway, wasn't it? I, I knew it remember. came out, oh, man, I knew, I knew we were going about at least about once a month, once every two months to, to grab a new one. Yeah. And it was so funny is, you know, one time, one month I would buy it. Another month, a buddy of mine would buy it. And, and so we weren't all having to buy it every month. We would all buy it. You know, right. We would Alternate. share it. And then, and then yeah. just, we'd all go to someone's house and say, okay, let's look at it now. You know, and we would, it was the Bible back then, you know? So we would, um, and like I said, I had a subscription for, you know, I guess a year. Uh, I think I got it for Christmas or something one year, but, um, but what we would do is, yeah, there was there was typically it was a group activity type thing, and there was oh, yeah. probably at least half a dozen of, of us kids, and oh, so somebody yeah. would get the new one, and then we would go take it to school. They would take it to school, and the librarian had absolutely no problem letting us make copies, <laughs> yeah, and sure, we would yeah. copy the pages because you only needed really needed the pages of the stuff that you collected or whatever, right? Yeah. Uh, is really all that you needed or wanted uh, to categorize and keep up with things. So we would copy uh, the pages out of each other's. And then, like you said, the next month, somebody else would, would get the updated version and we would do it again. So I had page upon top of page of, of Xerox uh, copy. Southpaw. Oh, yeah. We had binders and everything. It was crazy. Southpaw out there says, uh, no, she's closing in on 10K. Yeah, congrats, congrats on bro. the channel grows. It has uh, it's slowed down, uh, but it is uh, it's, it's it's still moving. It's still moving. Um, I feel like, man, I'm coming off that rush of Texas constitutional carry, and uh, that was just amazing. I mean, I you know I think at one time. I don't even remember. Did we get, we broke 2000, I think in a live stream at one time and was getting tens of thousands on replay. And, um, it was crazy. Uh, and then when that wave ends, you know what I mean? It, it feels weird because you know, you're riding mm -hmm. a wave when you're riding it. You're like, you know, it ain't going to last forever. But then when it ends, you're like, part of you is like, what am I doing wrong? And you're like, well, Okay, I'm back to normal views and everything else. I'm not doing anything wrong. Uh, right. It's just that that wave's not there. Uh, that being said, uh, we do. Uh, what is it? We've got uh, July, August, and then September first. Uh, so less than two months now, our constitutional carry will go into effect. Now I just got my L uh, my renewed uh, LTC in the mail. I don't know about a week ago. Yeah. So I don't need it, but 
I'm considering doing uh, September 1st, and I haven't even looked to see. Well, no, I take that back. I will be at the NRA at September 1st. So, But you'll at, be in, in, back in Texas, though. Yeah. Um, so that's where I will be. I'm looking up to see. Uh, no, I won't. September 1st is on a Wednesday, so great. Uh, NRA is the third, so that's the Wednesday before. NRA, but uh, yeah, being yeah. on a Wednesday, that'd be neat. I may, um, if you've seen the Instagram, you've seen the community tab and all of that, I got some, uh, there's Michelle out there in the uh, chat. Hello. Uh, we have a 1953 Plymouth. <laughs> okay. Um, that is but, random, but nice. Nice. <laughs> right. The, um, it threw me off. Uh, got the uh, faux stag grips for that 1911. Uh, my Taurus 1911 uh, and got something else. Hopefully that comes in before September 1st to go with that. I'm not going to give that surprise away just yet. Uh, but there is a reason that I got uh, uh, those, a nice set of grips for that. And I think September 1st, I'm going to, I'm going to open carry that, I think. Um, and I'm debating on whether or not to do some type of man on the street type thing, September 1st. Thinking about maybe getting with the, the local police departments, obviously, first. I, I pretty much, uh, well, I don't know every single officer, but uh, I know enough to maybe, you know, talk to them beforehand, kind of let them know what I'm doing. That way, if they get calls that there's some dude with a pistol walking around with a camera asking questions, <laughs> they can say, yeah, we know. Um but maybe doing some kind of man on the street, just asking people's thoughts, you know, on now that uh, constitutional yeah. is here, you know, what do you, what do you think? You know, you think we could, could have a problem with it or, you know, uh, just kind of get people's thoughts on the subject that that could be kind of an interesting thing to do to kind of commemorate because that's the first day that we've got it. Maybe go back a couple of years later and uh, it could be interesting to see some of those man on the street interviews. Yeah, that'd be fun because I know that. I mean, there's there's always going to be opposition to stuff like this, and and there's always the people that are going to be worried that there's going to be this crime wave, and people are going to be out there at high noon having shootouts in the streets and all that. So it'd be interesting to see um, what people would say. But you live in a place like kind of like I do, where. Most of the people that live there, I'm sure, are are going to be for it and, and, and probably are already carrying or will carry open and all that. But I think it'll be interesting to hear what they think is going to happen two years. Like you said, how many will, will concealed carry permits, whatever you guys call them, uh, license to carry down there? Um, are guns I mean, we'll see how it affects everything. Right. Because I know um, here in Calaveras out there. And saw when we got, con oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was saying when we got, uh, we got constitutional carry here in 2019, last year, now last year was kind of a strange year. Um, but since then, in the basically the year and a half since we got constitutional carry, permits are up dramatically uh, even though we have constitutional carry but people are still getting their permits and and it's, it's kind of a strange thing you know yeah and uh i think 
we listened to testimony from a guy from Texarkana. Um, and I want to say I pulled his testimony out. It's in the trainer's uh, little breakout video uh, that I did with the series on that. So look for that playlist and, and scroll through if you want to hear that guy. But uh, yeah, he was a trainer up in Texarkana. And so he was talking about exactly what you're talking about when Arkansas did their thing. Uh, even though it was constitutional carry, they got, you know, this, this massive influx. He was booked up for like, you know, weeks, he said, ahead of time. It was crazy. Uh, G23, jump it in out there. And then we had Calabres up here. He said, what will the 10K party be? So you know me um, in that there will likely be a party, but we're going to have to get well past 10K before there is a party. Because, in fact, I had this conversation. <laughs> we were talking about the talking about the new channel. And I've already, you know, one thing interesting about the new channel, I don't want to keep, keep harping on that. Uh, but one thing that's interesting about that, as you we were talking about, I was telling you, Ghost, that, um, you know, I I was subscribed to several channels, and that's kind of where I got the idea for it, right? And um, what's what's interesting is, hang on just a second. I've swapped my screens here. What in the world is happening here? So anyway, I had. Um, a couple like comment on videos and like reach out. So there's already kind of a community brewing with that. Uh, but one of the conversations that, that we had was giveaways. Um, and I was like, well, you know, they were like, Oh, you can do this or do that for your 50 subscriber giveaway. And I'm like, well, you know, I don't like the idea of announcing a giveaway before we do any kind of giveaway, because I'd much prefer people that are engaged that enjoy the content that are regular viewers that sort of thing um you know having being the majority of the people that's in the mix right um as opposed to those that are just there for the free stuff that's what annoys me with these people that they will advertise a giveaway for months and months and months to try to build up subscribership and then if you watch you know, like the night they do it, they lose a hundred subscribers or something. It's, it's silly. Yeah. When I, uh, when I did my 25 K, when I didn't tell anybody, I think you were the only one that I told. Right. And we just did it live on the Tuesday night show. And we were just talking about half an hour in and said, all right, by the way, we're going to start giving stuff away for the, you know, the giveaway. And it was one of those things where I didn't want to promote it. I wanted to make sure the people that are always there watching, would be the ones that were there. Cause like you said, if you're promoting it, you're going to get a lot of people to come in and that's just going to muddy the waters for the people that have always been there and loyal and all that. So yeah, I, I, I'm not a big fan of the people, especially now it's like, if someone's getting ready to hit 10,000, they'll start promoting it when they hit 6,000 subs. Right. And it's like, right. what, you know, I don't, I don't get that. So yeah, I, I like, I like the fact that, you try to get the people that have been there and are loyal and, and have been part of the journey from the beginning to, to reap from the rewards, you know? Yeah, no, it is about time. Uh, I need to reach out to a few companies and see what we can try to score for, uh, for goodies. Uh, when that time comes, I, I do have, because you know, typically we pay, play that. I, I like playing that match game. 
and everybody seems to enjoy that too. Um, and the, the, the interesting thing or the neat thing about the match game is that not all the prizes on the board are going to be won. So when we did the 5,000 subscriber uh, match game back in the day, I had commitments on prizes that never were given away. So hopefully those companies will recommit. I don't know why they wouldn't. And we can get a couple more in and, and make it even better. Um, yep. Yeah. Yeah. The match, the match game is a fun one because um, it's not like you just happen to be the first one to type in an answer or something like that. It's one of those where you actually got to work for it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so if you do happen to win a prize, you've actually kind of earned it instead of no offense, but just being the, the fastest hyper mm-hmm. isn't always the best way to do that. You know? Well, and I need to, what I need to do, the thing about the match game, right. And, and the reason I enjoy it and we're going to, I'm going to have to change the rules up. I don't see guns and barbecue in the chat, but he's the world's worst at this, that he gives away the answers and the matches. Um, so here's the reason that I do the match game is unless you're there from the very first, from the very start of the stream and you're watching every minute of the stream. Uh, now that's not necessarily true. You could come into the stream, back it up if you were a few minutes late, right? Play it double time or something like that. But you don't know what's been revealed on the board. So you don't really know where you're going to be behind. You know what I'm saying? But when we have folks in the live chat that give away the answers to the match game, yeah. that, that aggravates me because you're potentially giving somebody that's not paying attention to the stream that doesn't care that maybe he's just there to win a prize. You're potentially giving those people uh, an edge. And I don't particularly like that. Uh, it's not that I mind it, uh, but it's, it, it is aggravating to me. I understand that hundred percent. So Calabres says, uh, wasn't expecting a giveaway. was thinking more of a special live stream that's laid back, maybe some range time, kind of along the lines of the Halloween show. Um, yeah, I'm sure we'll do, I'm sure we'll do something, uh, either way. We'll probably do something, uh, when it hits a thousand, um, some kind of a random live, maybe do, uh, maybe do an ultimate like Q and a type thing an AMA ask me anything type thing uh maybe do something like that uh buck out there says that uh, he likes the match game yeah most people they tend to enjoy it so we had uh michelle up here it's gonna get us back on track and thank you for that who uh firearm stuff says what do you think of the shockwave shotgun i like the shockwave be honest with you now i prefer uh, first of all, Mossberg is my, I think my preferred shotgun brand. Um, but when you talk about those, um, quote unquote firearms, what are they? Title one, I think firearms is what they're technically called. Um, I like the semi-auto versions, honestly, better than the, than the pump. And I also like, um, having played with every shockwave out there. Uh, I like the twenty gauge. Uh, I think yeah. more than uh, any of the other ones. What uh, What do you think about the Shockwave Ghost? Yeah, I, I like the Shockwave. Um, I've shot it several times. Uh, guy around here has one that I've messed around with, but um, 
Yeah, I, I kind of like the 20 gauge as well. Um, I It's going to sound strange, but I think it'd be really cool for a lot of different reasons. Um, but if they, I don't know, they may have it, but I haven't shot it if they have, but like a 410, maybe a 28 gauge or a 410, I think that'd be a cool model for introducing people to the shockwave. Um, I don't know if they do or not, but a 410 model would be really cool. Uh, maybe that maybe monster would think about that, but I just think a, a shockwave of 410, I think would be an awesome thing to have down the line. Uh, Papa out there, 45 ACP jumping in our and daughters. I see jumping in out there. If I miss you on the uh, shout out okay, there. So Gary says here. they do have a 410. I just haven't shot it yet. I haven't seen the 410 version. Yep, there you that, go. That would be a cool one. I, I, I think I would really enjoy a 410 version of it. I don't see him. I don't see him doing a twenty-eight. Um, Probably not. No. Maybe in some kind of super niche custom thing. Maybe uh, the reason is ammo with a twenty-eight. I mean, you just yeah. don't see buckshot slugs, things like that. Uh, yeah. Twenty-eight is usually a um, you know a bird gun, typically. Well, and if if someone's looking for the the quote-unquote softness of a twenty-eight gauge, they're probably going to go four ten. Honestly. Yeah, you know, unless they're like you said, unless they're doing a specialized hunt or whatever. But yeah, I didn't know they had a four ten. That would be kind of cool. Uh, I, I have not shot the four ten yet. Yep. Uh, Papa out there, he says I predict carry permits will go up here. Also, so a lot of folks uh, have not purchased a pistol before because they did not want to ask uh, the county sheriff for permission. Uh, now they can buy uh, buy it now, and they can train later. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think training should necessarily be something that factors into making your first purchase decision on a firearm. Because uh, there's so many reasons to own a firearm and, you know, safety, the basics, the fundamentals, pretty easy to pick up, pretty easy to learn that type of stuff uh, to be a quote unquote firearm owner. Uh, without being high risk, I think. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it just it doesn't make any sense that these states or whatever that want to mandate before you can even buy one having training. I mean, how silly is that? I mean, what if you what if you're buying firearms to collect? <laughs> you know what I mean? You got to keep up training to collect firearms and never shoot them. Come on. No, I, I agree, and, and I'm someone that is a big proponent of training. But mandating it is, I don't think, is necessary. I think that that's just going to open up. It's going to open up a lot of problems. And we have friends of ours that are big in the training world that are big trainers. And I'm not saying them, but I think in general, when you start mandating training, you're going to see trainers take advantage of that and start putting training classes out of reach of a lot of average people that, like you said, might just be trying to do certain things. But um, when you start mandating training, you're going to see the normal uh, Firearms 101 class go from maybe $25 or $50 to $250 or $300. And so someone who's trying to buy their first firearm, they've got the expense of a $500 gun plus now another two or $300 training class because it's mandated. That, that's, that's, you know... 
I'm never going to say that training is a bad idea, but the mandate of training is not a good idea. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The whole voluntary people should pursue it. And I think people are, I mean, with the Senate testimony, that one old guy, of course, everything had pretty much been said by the time he got up there. And it was, it was pretty cool. He's like, you know, he's like, realistically, now I'm paraphrasing what the old dude said, but he said, realistically, you know, who goes out and buys a piano and then doesn't learn how to play it? <laughs> it's like, you know, makes a lot of sense. Well, like I said, I mean, there, there's, I think that everyone, and you and I had the discussion, we've had the discussion on multiple podcasts and, and everything else and, and personal conversations. I think that the problem with the mandate is the fact that the government doesn't trust the people to be safe. Mm -hmm. That's why they feel like they have to mandate it. But you and I both know the average person, the, the, the psychological side of owning a firearm, especially if you're buying it for self-defense and to carry it or whatever, mm -hmm. the natural evolution is to learn how to go use such firearms so that you're safe. Maybe not to be safe towards other people, but be safe towards your family and in the house and all that. So, I don't think the government needs to get involved in the mandating because the average person is going to go seek it out on their own because they want to be safe. But that's the problem. The government doesn't trust the people in that. Um, and that's that's the, probably the biggest issue of it all is the, the trust factor. Right. So we got um, a couple things out there in the chat calibris in the caliber section selection for someone who's buying to use says ammo cost can affect the amount of training due to the cost i totally agree i mean you know if you choose what would be a crazy one 357 sig let's say <laughs> um yeah a little bit expensive on the ammo, right? Uh, five maybe, seven probably is the more expensive on the ammo right now. Right. Maybe you've chosen the five seven to to carry or for your home defense. Then, yeah, I mean hundreds of rounds for uh, you know quote unquote training. But here's the thing: I mean, training doesn't have to. You don't have to go that far. Uh, Ghost of I part ways a little bit uh, on this sometimes, but um, you know, like I said, uh, as far as general use safety fundamentals you don't have to take a thousand round training class for that kind of stuff um you know hour two hour classroom only uh, a lot of times will get you what you need to to make that happen i think yeah some of the best classes i think that you can probably get is a two-hour class where an hour of it or hour and a half of it's in the classroom going over safety how to break it down how to clean it how to put it back together, how to, you know, all that stuff, how to load a magazine, all of that stuff, how to work your safeties if you have a safety. And then maybe the last half hour, hey, all you need to do is bring enough ammo for whatever magazine capacity you have. Let's say it's a 10 plus one. Bring enough rounds to shoot two mag magazines through your gun so that once we go over the mechanics of that firearm, how to clean it, how to take it apart, how to put it back together, then we're going to shoot it just so you know that before you leave here, we've covered all the bases. And you don't have, like you said, you don't have to do a 500 or a thousand round count in a, in a lesson or a, an instruction class. Whatever capacity you have, bring two magazines already loaded. And that's pretty much all you really need to do. 
Yeah, I would I would tend to agree with that. Uh Papa out there. He's got a good one. I see Warsaw Patriot has jumped in. What is up, WP? Uh Papa says, What did uh any of you shoot this weekend to celebrate the fourth? Uh, we got out the 1870 U.S. Navy rolling block in 5070 government for its first shots. So that is a uh, that's a beast. Uh, we've got Tyler out there. He said I had surgery to fix my septum a few days ago, so unfortunately wasn't able to do any shooting this fourth. Hope you get uh, better. Uh, our tech is flexing on us. This Tars 44 Magnum KS7 AK pistol AR ten and a half, eight and a half, seven and a half. Uh, Buck out there uh, saying that uh, 357 SIG was hard to find before the shortage, and Artax said, "Yeah, it's a uh, it's a dead round. It's it's certainly getting niche status. I think again, unfortunately, Michelle uh, says we like our AR uh, and handguns. So, uh, heck yeah! Uh, did you shoot anything this weekend, Ghost?" Man, I, 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 no, I didn't shoot a thing this weekend. We had a crazy weekend at work, which is a good thing. It was just really long, so I didn't get a chance to do anything this weekend. So I am living vicariously through everybody else that shot something this weekend for the Let Freedom Ring. So, um, yeah, thank you for everyone that did that. I did not get a chance to do anything. I um, I shot the Jimenez some more. Um basically mag dumping to see you know how many times it would jam up uh how many mags i could get through it type thing um and then uh shot the little mossberg uh, talked about it at the top of the podcast here uh, that little mossberg international 802 plinkster uh shot it some more and i'm gonna tell you what uh for the money, I mean, go over and watch the video. I don't remember who it was. I think maybe maybe it was Defense Dad. I'm not sure. I was talking about I needed to video, do a video shooting it at 50 yards, and I uh, I have put up some posts of a 50-yard target with that thing. It's it's phenomenal for, you know, it, it totally surprised me. Um, because when I think of the Mossberg and I think of Plinkster, I think of the 702 Plinkster, the little semi-auto. Uh, and those are okay, but they're not, uh, they're not great. The, uh, the 802, which is a bolt action. Um, I'm just liking that more and more every day. Somebody up above, uh, whoever who it was, maybe Tyler was talking about the 410 shockwave, maybe getting a good to keep in the car or the truck for like pest control. Um, and that's where, you know, I thought about this little, this little bolt action 22, this little Mossberg. I'm like, it, they would be a good one to be honest with you, because it's a, uh, 18 inch barrel, but it's a fairly short length of pull, you know, small, lightweight little rifle. So, uh, and it's budget minded in price as well, which is, uh, which is always a good thing. Yeah. You know, I, I got a little bit of a rasp when you start talking about bolt action plinks through 22. So mm -hmm. yeah, pardon me. Um, I don't, I don't speak bud. Right. It's okay. Perfectly, <laughs> perfectly fine. There are plenty of folks out there who do. So it's all good. Uh, our taxes, uh, it might come back. Uh, if someone makes a new gun around it, he wish Smith and Wesson will make a five inch, uh, M and P beat the three fifty seven six barrel. Um, I would be interested in that. I enjoy the three fifty seven <sighs> SIG round. Um, 
I, that is that is a round that I I really do enjoy. Um, that would be interesting. Like an so, NFT, yeah, that would be interesting. And, and, and hmm. So yeah. nobody out there makes a five-inch barrel. I mean, I understand it that Smith and Wesson doesn't, but right. you've got Faxon, you've got EFK Fire Dragon, you've got uh, Wolf, you've got so many yeah, different. Someone's got to have an aftermarket that could go into the forty. You know, I or would think you know? so. I would think so. A conversion kit or something. Yeah, Faxon would probably be one that I would definitely look at. Um, I don't know. Yeah, that that does seem odd. That, and I'm sure there are, like you said, I'm sure there are, but it does seem weird that no one off the top of their head knows of a conversion barrel for a 40 Smith and Wesson. So, um, right. Yeah, that that would be something that would be interesting for sure. Papa out there says uh, flex it again. Says also took out Dad Smith and Wesson model twenty nine. So you just gave Ghost a, a rash with that one, yeah, probably a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> uh, Warsaw says as far as guns go, people who are new to guns need to know there's a major difference between major difference from selectors from safeties like on ARs. It's a selector safety, AK. It's a selector. In the safe position. Okay. Totally lost me. I don't understand. Well, we were talking about going through a class to learn how to break down a, a firearm and learn how to use the safeties and all that. And yeah, I mean, whether you've got a, a, a thumb manual safety or a selector switch or, you know, some people will look at a gun and think that it has a safety and it's actually a decocker, you know, um, especially for people that are new to guns, they might look at a 92 and think that's a safety. Well, it's a decocker, you know? Um, so not always, yeah, not always, but yeah. the majority of them, um, you know, you, you're looking at those things, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think what, what the problem with that I have with that is trying to mansplain things. I right. think that it, no matter what firearm you have, if it has some sort of a safety, whether it's a, a manual flip or a selector switch, whatever it is, whether it's an AR, AK, handgun, whatever it is, it doesn't t- it doesn't take long to explain. This is safe. This is fire. Right. This is safe. This is fire. Yeah. They don't need to know right away the differences, why it means anything, why the terminology is different. It's this is safe. This is fire. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, Nebraska gun freak, freak in the house. Um, yeah, I mean, I would agree. I agree. Um, so I, I disagree with Warsaw because he's saying that they, you know, if you're new to guns, you need to know there's a major difference. I don't think you do. I think as long as you understand the manual of arms and that this is fire and this is safe, um, I don't think you need to understand how really how the the technical aspects of how it works or design is designed at all. Uh, I don't see, do, do you know, are you able to tear down your car and work on it? Cause you drive it every day. Uh, right? You know, I can't. <laughs> so now some people do, right? Some people do, uh, but the vast majority of people don't have a clue how their car works, but yet they drive them every single day. Um, so you can, you can use something and be learned enough in it uh, to be able to be safe without knowing, you know, the correct terminologies and other things. Um, 
I, I, it, it irks me, especially with new people coming in. It irks me with the whole clip magazine and the muzzle brake compensator flash hider. And it's like, just stop, just stop. Right. Yeah. Um, it, the last thing we want to do is, is put someone in a defensive situation right off the bat, make them feel uncomfortable Make them demean them because they're using the term. I, I don't care. I've got a good friend of mine that's kind of getting into guns again after 25, 30 years. And he still calls everything a clip. Yeah. He calls all ammo shells. Right. And it's like, who cares? I mean, as long as you know, know what's talking, as long as you're able to communicate and you know what somebody's talking about. That's right. What and difference? It's just what like, difference you know, make? there are some people out there like, oh, excuse me, sir. You just said clip. It's a magazine. Shut up. Right. You know, Warsaw. you just said shell instead of if, instead of ammo. Shut up. Right, you know? right. Just tell us. Yeah, just stop. Just stop. Uh, and Warsaw, Warsaw loves to argue, right? And and I love to argue back with him. But he says, the way I know this, Clover, is because I was introduced to the AR platform when I was more to the AR-15 platform. Well, then that means you're not a new gun owner if you already had an AR-15 platform. So you're talking about somebody that was not a new firearm owner. You were not a new firearm owner. You were a fire already a firearm owner at that point. So at that point, okay, maybe so. But if you're talking about somebody brand spanking new that calls you up and says, Hey man, I just bought my first rifle. Okay. What is it? It's an AK. Uh, can we go out to the range and you show me how it works and everything? Yeah, sure. And you get out to the range and you start giving them the history of the AK and the reason that the selectors and the safeties are yeah. different. And eyes are going to glaze over, it, man. Don't, you hand it to him. You say, here's how you load the magazine. Here's how you put the magazine in. You flip this up for safe. You flip this down to fire. Here's your sights. Line them up. Pull the trigger and go. And that's, that's exactly what part. you tell him. Yeah, the hardest part that the average person is going to have with an AK is how to put a magazine in. Yeah, having to rock it. You got to rock, you know, that, that's probably the hardest thing. And then, you know, but yeah, I mean, it's exactly right. First of all, you know, someone, if someone's going to sell an AK or an AR or whatever it is, you know, you would like to think that someone's going to sit there before they leave that gun shop or if it's a private sale, before they leave that area and say, have you ever hit on one of these before? No. All right. Well, let me just show you the basics real right. quick. You know, you would think right. that it doesn't. That's unfortunate. It doesn't happen all the time. Yep. Yep. And yeah, I would uh, now I would agree. He says you can be. Uh, Warsaw out there, he says you could be new to certain guns and want to know things. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you're new to certain guns and you're wanting to know things, that's fine. But uh, I've got quite a bit of experience with with overloading people that are brand new. Uh, and particularly with overloading kids that are brand new. Uh, which most kids are brand new. So uh, I can tell you right now, it doesn't it doesn't work like you think it works. Um, now, yeah. if they want to know it and they ask you, that's where I was getting ready to go. Yeah, if they want to ask, you know, if you're working with someone, they need to know. Here's how you load it. Here's how you hold it. 
here's safe, here's fire, here's your trigger. Yeah. If they well, want to know anything more, let them approach you on, hey, so let me ask you this. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll answer anything you want or say, hey, now, now that we've got through the basics, do you have any other questions yep. of how this works? Yep. And if they say, hey, let's just shoot. There you go. Let's just or, go shoot. And, and they can always come back and ask more questions. Or sometimes it's a case of it's a case of knowing that they're ask knowing that they're asking a question without them asking a question, because you could you could notice them doing something wrong. And usually this is a fundamentals issue, right? So they're shooting high, they're shooting low, they're shooting left, they're shooting right. Uh, maybe they're limp wristing. Maybe you know you, you get where I'm going. Uh, maybe they're riding high on the grip and they're bumping the safety, or they're you know whatever. Um, and they go, man, this keeps happening. I don't know why. Right. And you're like, well, would you like me to explain what could be going on? You know, and that and could if, transition into that next step. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And they say, sure. You know, then yeah, open up. Uh, now, definitely. now Nick out there has got a great point. It doesn't matter if it's an AR or an AK and I'll take it a step further. It doesn't matter if it's an AR an AK a revolver, a semi-auto, a bolt action, <laughs> a shotgun. Right. If if there's something in battery, it's gonna go boom. Whether you know, w once you figure out how to take that safe or whatever it is, right. When it's ready to go, it's gonna go boom. <laughs> well, the vast majority of firearms. Um, we hope we hope it goes boom. I should say. Yeah, the vast uh, the vast majority of firearms. Um. When you load them, they do not they do not automatically engage the safety. Now there are some firearms throughout history that have been that way. Those are aggravating. <laughs> because right. for me, my number one safety is my brain, my number two safety is my trigger finger, my you know, so forth and so on, right? Or you ever get into anything mechanical. Um and so uh, as a matter of fact, uh my youngest daughter, her uh, three position precision competition rifle uh, is a uh, basically it's a Savage Mark II, um, but I completely removed the safety off of it um, because it had been converted to a single shot. <laughs> and what was the point of it was extra stuff in the way that could potentially get bumped or whatever? You feel what I'm saying? Um, yeah. That but you're also that, working uh, with someone with a vast amount of experience that already has the and a very down and, all and a very controlled firing line. Correct. In yeah. Those types of, of you know the you know when you're shooting those matches and you know you've you've shot matches before yours mm -hmm. are of course running gun but um you know there is strict rules on this is how you act this is where your fire is when you're not shooting this is how it needs to be when you're re in the ready this is what it needs to be when you're firing as soon as you're done this is you know there's all of these steps that get drilled into you for uh, for competition purposes otherwise you get a dq right that's right that you're you're asked sometimes politely but you're asked to leave the facility and uh, yeah, you know, it's interesting you brought up the brain and the trigger finger because I was I was working with a lady. This is a few months ago, and she just bought a new firearm, and it was a shield, one of the new shield easy nine millimeters, and she wanted one with the thumb safety. Uh, she felt more comfortable with the thumb safety. She's going to carry it and all that. I said, hey, that's great. And she goes, so is this the only safety that I have to worry about? 
And I was like, you don't even have to worry about that one if you do it the right way. And she, I was just kind of joking with it. She's like, what do you mean? That's the same thing. I said, well, and I did the opposite, obviously. And I said, your first safety is your trigger finger. Mm-hmm. I said, if that trigger finger is outside the trigger well um, until you're ready to pull it, then that trigger is not going to pull itself. And if you're constantly thinking about being safe with your mind, then chances are you're not going to stick your finger in that trigger guard and, and do anything stupid. And I said, so, you know, every gun has safety measures, whether it has a manual thumb safety or not. Every firearm, like you said, has at least two safety features. It's your, it's your mind and your trigger finger. Those two things are working. Then it doesn't matter if you've got that thumb safety or not, but I understand where a lot of people do, especially new fire owners that may be carrying it in a, in a purse or a backpack or something. I understand the, the want for thumb safeties. Um, but yeah, you know, I think once people get used to it, they're not going to use that thumb safety anyway. So they just, cause they know that they're going to be safe with it. But that's, that's really the ultimate thing is, is training someone how to be safe themselves and not relying on that thumb safety. If I would unmute here, it would help. Um, I thought I'd yeah, give you know, a we, <laughs> we, We've talked before about me. I mean, I don't like the whole idea of, of locked and cocked with, with a safety on. But I tell you, I, I've been playing around with this 1911 more since I got the uh, since I got these grips. Kind of prepared to actually carry that uh, a little bit when constitutional carry uh, hits here in Texas. And I'm getting more comfortable with the idea, to be honest with you, because it, it, you know, the only thing you really got to worry about, because it also has the grip safety, right? And so even, yeah, sure. Yeah. Even if that gets bumped off somehow, you literally have to be gripping that thing and pulled the trigger. So it would, man, the odds of the odds of that thing, going off when you didn't want it to or pretty doggone slim aside from maybe dropping it or something, you know, absolutely crazy like that. I think that I would say, and I don't know, I don't know the actual, so I'm not saying this is a fact, but I would say, or I wouldn't be surprised if the majority of, of NDs that happen on a range or wherever are when reholstering it or drawing out of the holster because their finger might get stuck or, or something or something like that. But, you know, I, I think for most people, once, once the firearm is in your hands and, and you present it, I think most people, the majority, the vast majority are pretty safe. Um, but that's why I always, when I'm on the range, we'll go to our safety briefing. And I always say, Hey, you know, we're not in a competition with reholstering. This isn't, you know, weird stuff. Uh-huh. Look your fire. No, I don't care how long you've been doing it. Look your firearm back into your holster when you're reholstering. You know, and I think that that's probably where a lot of people have issues are the reholstering um, and, and the actual draw. Um, so yeah, just just be safe when you're handling your firearm around your holster. That's that's probably where the vast majority of mistakes are going to happen is people don't take enough time or think enough about or put too much emphasis on reholstering. Um, they, well, they, they're, they're so worried about the draw and trying to get, you know, you see people with the shot timers. Yeah. 
They're so worried of trying to get that sub one second draw to first shot on target. It's like, great. What about how much time are you willing to take on reholstering? Right. Well, I don't think about reholstering. Why not? You yes, know? exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, you definitely need to, you know, unless it's some kind of a dire situation, which for reholster, most people are not going to be in. Um, you need to look. You need to look that firearm into that holster. Uh, and the reason I say that is if you're going to have an ND, most of the time it's going to be reholstering. And the reason is it's a downward motion. And then anything that's in your holster in the way is that handgun's going down for every action is equal, equal and opposite reaction. So it's going to push the trigger backwards, Yep. you know, and, and then there you go. So especially if you're talking about maybe you were hunting, maybe you were out in the woods and you pulled it out for a varmint or, you know, something sure. type of situation and you got a leaf in there or a twig fell out of a tree in there or a acorn or whatever could have could have fell into that holster and then when you go to reholster you know your finger's not on the trigger you're you know you're doing everything you're supposed to do but you've got some kind of foreign object going on so you want to make sure that's uh that's not the case yeah and, and to translate and to translate for those that live above the mason dixon line um acorn is acorn for the northern people just, let's right. just kind of translate acorn i know what you're right. saying but the mason the northern people it's called an acorn up there, but we say acorn down here. It's an acorn, yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the deer, the deer eat those. So uh, Mississippi okay. Thunder says, "Don't be a Barty Five. There you go. Um, Nick says, "But I think the sec extra second of loading the chamber gives you that chance to back out of firing because if you do, uh, your weapon will be confiscated, and there aren't." Aren't cheap, um, so that was in yeah. reply. So I don't, I don't agree with that. I've seen, I've seen self. You know where I stand on that. Go ahead. I've seen self defense shootings, and, and it's all going to depend on the area. I understand this, but I've seen self defense shootings as long as they're justified. Blah 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 blah. Uh, but then they were that that person literally sat down, gave out a form, an interview, filled out a form that took thirty minutes, uh, and went home with their firearm. And yeah. they, they literally killed somebody um, defending their life, but they, they literally killed somebody. Um, so, no, it, it, it can happen. It, maybe it happens way more often than not, uh, but it doesn't in my neck of the woods. I can tell you that much. Uh, but, yeah, that was in, in um, response, I think, to Warsaw up there that says, uh, yeah. speaking of some th thumb safeties, he's new to Glocks and keep telling himself, uh, if you're not going to charge your Glock, carry one in the chamber, um, you know, so just don't load it. You can't just rely just on the trigger safety. I don't, I don't get what he's saying, but I don't like the idea of not carrying with one in the chamber. That being said, I'd rather you carry without one in the chamber than not yep. carry at all, period. No doubt. You know, and, and you know how I think about this, and I'm very vocal, and, and it's not always the most, uh, oh, well-looked-upon statement that I make, but I'm one of those people that if you decide to draw, there the thought process has already happened. You don't draw and then decide if you're going to pull that trigger. If, if you've had to draw your gun, whatever situation you're in, the thought and the decision to pull that trigger should have already been made. Um, the last thing you want to do is to draw, then 
wait that second or two to figure out, well, do I really want to shoot this? The answer is, is if you have to think that, then the answer is no. You probably shouldn't pull that trigger, which means you shouldn't have drawn your weapon to begin with. That's just my take. If I draw my weapon, it's going to get fired. I've already made that decision to, I need to fire my weapon for whatever reason. So I'm not going to draw unless I'm going straight to draw to present to fire. I'm not even thinking about, should I shoot this or not? So, but then again, I mean, I'm not, like I said, that's not maybe the most popular statement out there, but that's just me. I don't draw unless that decision's already been made that I'm pulling trigger. There is no second guessing at that point. Yeah. Right. And I think that's a, a great mentality and mindset to have. Um, I mean, you hear a lot about how, well, you know, having a firearm can be a deterrent and just pulling the firearm and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I don't like that. Right. Because, you know, you pull that firearm, then who's to say that a bystander is not a witness and they say, well, the guy that he pulled his firearm and the guy backed off and threw his hands in the air and then he shot him anyway, or he, you know what I mean? And so if it's one smooth, quick motion, you know, draw, present, pop, pop, you know what I mean? All at one time, then it's really easy to go, Hey, I feared for my life and I reacted. You know, there wasn't no, there wasn't no, what were you thinking? It was like, I, I feared for my life. That's what yeah. I was thinking. So I drew and I shot the guy. And, and and it sounds crazy. And this isn't something that should be in the back of someone's mind. But if you look back in retrospect, drawing a firearm, pointing at someone as a deterrent goes against what we as responsible gunners, we are, what's our very first rule? Don't point your gun at anything you don't intend to shoot. So why would you draw your firearm in a self-defense situation to hopefully it deters the guy to run away or put his hands up. Right. You're pointing at someone that you don't intend to shoot at that point. Right. So, I mean, it's one of those things, like I said, for me, like I said, what people want to do on theirs, that's on them. But like I said, drawing my firearm in a self-defense, I hope I never have to do it. Right. Um, but if I ever do, I promise you, I have already gone through the entire process of, am I, a, is this threat? Is this a threat? Is it endangering me or my family or someone right by me that's, that you know, whatever? If the answer is yes to those, then I'm drawing and firing. I've already made the decision that this is happening. I would right. never use a gun as a deterrent. That's just me. Like I said, that's just me. Yep. Yeah, Warsaw's getting specific, of course, out there. So I get where you're coming from as far as drawing guns and not firing. Flashing guns is a big no-no. However, there are exceptions, I believe, like the guy, a.k.a. Weapon Snatcher, when he stopped two thugs from stealing two police AR-15s. What's your take on that? So, my take on that, and I don't know what story you're talking about, Warsaw, but my take on that is, where was it his position or his job to stop anybody from stealing anything that wasn't his? That's my position yeah. on it. That's a hard position, and you may not like that position. There may it'd be a lot of people, but I've been told you. I am not the guy to run from the back of the store to the front of the store yep. when I hear shots fired. My firearm is for my protection and the protection of me, anybody in my immediate vicinity, and including my family. That's it. Mm -hmm. It's not for yep. me to play vigilante. It's not for me to play police responder. It's not. It's for me. It's personal protection 
And, and I, the other thing is stealing is not a threat to somebody's life. Period. Yeah, and that's kind of what I want to go to the same same thing is is it's not my job to protect the police's weapons in their cars. Mm-hmm. I'm not that's not my job. My job, I'm not deputized. That is not my personal property. Honest to God, if someone came into my house and starts stealing my stuff, that's a whole different issue. But if I'm out and I see so it's the same thing as this. If someone walks into a gas station and starts stealing stuff, are you going to draw your weapon to stop them from stealing a candy bar at a gas station? Like, like shoplifting, right? Shoplifting, because that's what it is. Yeah. Now, it's a little different when they might be stealing firearms that could do somebody harm. But once again, where are the police officers that had those right. ARs in their vehicle or whatever? You know, were, were they on the ground? That's on the police department. Now, right. if someone steals that AR and starts engaging or starts acting like they're going to shoot at me, well, that's a different story. Yeah. But at what well, point I mean, do you have to sit there and say, I don't care if he steals that rifle? How how difficult is it to, you're, you're standing there watching them steal it, how difficult is it to give an, an exact description of who they were and then, you know, let let the police do their do their job, right? Uh, yep. And Buck out there has got a great point. He said, if you pull your gun out and you don't shoot, you might get shot by his buddy. Right. I mean, if you, you know, if yep. you are that, that person and you pull your gun out and there's two people, let's say breaking into a police car and the police happen to walk out and they see people breaking into their car and then they see somebody with a gun, what's potentially going to go through their mind, Right. And Saul says, well, the the police was not around the car. That's not my problem. Right. That's the police department's problem. Yeah, he does say it's a hard situation. He said the guys were charging the... Until that person... But until that person becomes a threat... Yeah. I don't care if he steals... I don't care. That's not my problem. Yeah, I'm right. not going to jail to protect the firearms of the police department. That's not my right. job. Right. If the police weren't around that vehicle, then hopefully they have them locked up there. You know, where they can't get some. If they, right. and that's that's the police department's procedure problem. That's not my problem. <laughs> A little bit. Uh, yeah, he says out there. He says the guys were charging the AR-15s and were about to commit a crime. Uh, and they needed to be stopped. Well, I've got questions on that. I mean, it's great. Uh, to, we know they're going to claim that from a video, but I, even if they were, even if they busted out the window, they got the AR 15s and they charged the AR 15s and was getting ready to leave. How do you know they were going to commit a crime? So all of this red flag laws, we want to gripe and complain about all this pre-crime stuff. No, you don't know that. Did it, did it yep. maybe look that way? Sure, 100%. But we don't know that. You didn't know that. There's no way he knew that. So he participated in pre-crime is what he did. So let's be honest about the situation here uh, and not be hypocritical uh, when exactly. we talk about things from the point of gun control and red flag laws and pre-crime. You know, That's He right. just you, judged you. something based off of what he's seen. Now, maybe he was correct, but there is a chance he wasn't. Maybe they yeah, charged we, them just to see if they were loaded. We as a as a community love to talk about, oh, you can't legislate what's in someone's mind. 
Mm-hmm. Well, it works both ways. Right. You know? It works both right. ways. Yeah. Once again, it's yeah, not our responsibility to worry about what someone else does that commits a crime. Your job as a firearm owner is to make sure that you do not do anything until you have to. And whether someone's charging AR-15 or not, we don't know they're going to commit a crime. Now, if they start, if they charge and they start looking and they start <clears throat> presenting, they start shouldering that and looking like they're going to shoot someone. That's a whole different issue. At that point, yeah, you can assume yes, that they're getting ready to pull a trigger. Well, but I mean, yes, but, but that, that's that's still a gray area. Exactly, that's still yeah. a gray area. But yeah. the assumption I mean, is at least based on something at that point. How far away are you from them and them from True. you? What's in between you? Which direction are they picking them up and presenting? You know, mm-hmm. that still doesn't mean you're in immediate danger. And if you Correct. are not in immediate danger, then you do not have um, the, the legal basis to defend your life if your life is not in immediate danger. And so. Yep. It's it's I get it. It's it's a it's a tough situation. It's tricky, and that's why you have to talk about things like that. Uh, Buck out there says that the, at that time you take a lot of pics of the guy stealing the gun. That's yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. yeah. So uh, yeah, we're over the hour. You're uh, roboting horribly, ghost. Oh, did you hear me? Can you hear me? Can now? Yeah, yeah, can now. Okay, Uh, I said I would rather I'd rather be a witness in a trial than a stand trial. Right? Yeah. No kidding. No kidding. Um. So yeah, we're over the hour mark. Uh, thanks for hanging out for an hour on a Monday. I'm gonna throw the link to the new channel out there. Check it out if you want, Uh, and if you like what's over there. Uh, hang out as we move forward with that little uh, that little project. It is not firearm related, uh, but might be fun for some of the folks out there. Uh, Ghost, before we get out of here, what you got? Nothing, man. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, let's just kind of keep this discussion going. This is a really good discussion about yep. safety and and how to the logistics of being a firearm owner, the thought processes that um, that go along with being a responsible gunner. These conversations need to be happening all the time, whether we agree or not. These are the conversations that need to be happening because there's no right answer. You have to decide what's right for you, but you also have to be really willing to handle whatever repercussions come your way. If that's you, hey, I'm not telling you not to do it. I'm saying that I probably wouldn't do this, but these are the great conversations that we need to be having, not which is the better caliber, what's better AR or AK. You know, these are the discussions that need to be happening. Thanks for having me, bud. Yeah, the things that make you think for sure. Uh, so that's going to do it for uh, this Monday. Armistice podcast over on Ghost Channel is tomorrow night. Check that out. Uh, till next week, we are, uh, if I can get over here to the right screen, we're gone. Peace out.